and thank you for joining us this afternoon. It's really a pleasure to have with me VJ talk about everything, accent, race, language, diversity. So um, VJ, thank you once again for, for, for accepting my invitation. And by the way, VJ is very active on Twitter. So I'll, if, you, if you follow him, you get lots of updates. And that's how I, I, we connected on Twitter. You know, so I would encourage you to follow him on Twitter and I'm sure you get one or two things to, to add to what you already know. So Vijay, I have a tradition of having my guests introduce themselves. So I'll leave you to tell my listeners who you are and what they should expect from you this afternoon. Okay, sure. Yeah, so first of all, thank you, Mami, for the intro, uh, for the invitation to, to speak today with you. Um, yeah, so hello, everyone. My name is Vijay Ramjatan. I am a PhD graduate from the University of Toronto. Um, so I did my PhD in adult education and community development, and I also did a specialization in workplace learning and social change. Um, so right now I'm on the academic job market, but I am affiliated with Brandeis University, so I'm a member of their language, culture, and justice hub there. Um, in terms of my research interests, um, so like many of your, your prior guests, I'm also interested in, you know, language and diversity, and I'm specifically interested in the intersections of language, race, and work. Um, yeah, so um, it's taken, these research interests have manifested in various research projects, so I've talked a lot about um, the experiences of racialized English language teachers um, in, in the local context of Toronto, Canada, and how they have to sort of engage in additional work, right, as racialized teachers, because in the English language teaching field, oftentimes the white native speaker is held as, you know, the ideal standard worker. So when you don't look and sound like this worker, um, oftentimes you have to engage in additional types of labor to prove yourself, to prove yourself as competent. Um, another aspect of, of my research interests um, pertains to the work of international teaching assistants in North American universities. So oftentimes we hear this deficit narrative of international TAs as having, you know, these incomprehensible accents for, for their academic labor. So um, with my research, I was sort of interested in, in understanding how do ITAs sort of conceptualize a so-called professional accent for work and how do they actually perform this accent? And of course, it's not, you know, and and a sort of neutral process, right? Oftentimes how they conceptualize and practice an accent is really um, conforming to and contesting a range of ideologies, you know, pertaining to race, whiteness, gender, um, neoliberalism, and so forth. Um, and yeah, so my most recent um, sort of interest in the intersection of language and race of work um, really pertains to accent reduction for migrant professionals in North America. So I'm really interested in problematizing uh, this, not only in terms of like the actual pedagogy of accent reduction, but what does accent reduction mean in a world still structured by, you know, racism and white supremacy. Um, so that's basically a little bit about what I'm, what I do and what I'm interested in. Mm. Thank you. I think that's a lot for our listeners to digest. And I would want to encourage people, if they have any questions, like I said, they can find you on Twitter, you know, and just ask the questions and you'll be more than willing to engage further with anyone who wants uh, any clarification. So for our listeners who are not linguists like you and I, who are not academics, when we talk about the intersection of language, race, 
diversity? What do we actually mean in simple terms? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, so that's, that's a good question. So I think uh, when we talk about this intersection of language and race, I think, first of all, we have to understand that language and race are not always separate things. Oftentimes, when we talk about language, we're also talking about race. Um, so with my work with regard to speech accent, for example, we might say, okay, well, if I'm, if we're talking about accent discrimination, for example, that has nothing to do with race, because oftentimes we imagine race to be, you know, this visual oppression. But when we talk about accent, speech accent discrimination in particular, right, racism doesn't really operate through our eyes, it also operates through our listening practices, our ears, right? So I think when it comes to understanding this intersection of language and race, um, Oftentimes we're, we're practicing racism, not only through our eyes, but through our other bodily senses. So that's one thing we should pay attention to. Um, with regard to diversity, how, how this relates to sort of diversity, if we think about diversity in the workplace, oftentimes, once again, we think of it as just having, you know, non-white bodies in, in an organization. <laughs> but oftentimes when we think about um, language and in, in in this in this um, narrative, right? We think of language in the sense of everyone needs to sound the same, right? We can look different, but we all have to have sort of one organizational, you know, manner of of communication that we have to adhere to. Um, so I think uh, bringing language into sort of discussions about diversity really is about sort of embracing a range of language practices in the workplace. So I think there isn't any one particular way to sound quote unquote professional. I think um, oftentimes we can um, we can still be, you know, professional in a range of ways in a range using a range of communicative um, practices. Thank you so much. I think you have set it up beautifully. And I like the fact that you talked about the fact that we need to embrace a range of language practices and I say it all the time like and, and I get my quote from Gumpers who talks about different ways of speaking so essentially there isn't just one way of speaking you know and once we are talking about diversity then we should equally be interested or pay attention to or if not even pay attention to afford the same importance to other ways of speaking you know and not just select one standard as one form as the correct or the, 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 the guy that everyone should achieve. So we, we can't talk, we can't say that we are being inclusive, we, we are being diverse when we just embrace people of other cultures or other uh, colors. We need to embrace them in totality. And their language, I think, is central to the core of, of personhood. So thank you so much, Vijay, for that uh, excellent summary. So uh, before this, we're talking about the fact that, and you made the point that people from other backgrounds have to perform additional types of labor in the workplace just to prove themselves that they are competent to do the work you know and mm -hmm. to the to the uh, to the ear of someone who speaks or a british person or a canadian person that might sound strange you know so how would you break it down what are some of these things that when you talk about additional labor what specifically are you talking about here sure um so let me draw on the example of, of um, English language teachers, right, um, uh, from my past research. So I think, um, like I mentioned before, um, the white native speaker is, is perceived as the ideal or standard worker in English language teaching. And so when you don't sort of physically or orally match this figure, you have to sort of make people, um, you know, you have to convince people that you actually are linguistically qualified to do the job. So in terms of a concrete example of this, um, 
if you're labeled as a so-called non-native speaker of English and you're also, you know, non-white as well, right? One way that you might have to engage in additional type of labor is actually just changing your accent, right? Um, so that's, that's, I know we, we accents change all the time, but oftentimes um, in the workplace, it's oftentimes like a job requirement. So um, if students are feel, might feel like, okay, I want to learn English, but I don't want to learn English with a teacher with an, a so-called accent. So um, one sense might be to sort of really consciously monitor how you're speaking to students, for example, for them to believe in your you know, professional competence. Um, so that's just one example of an additional labor that you can do. Um, other times for teachers who can't always change how they communicate, right, they might do um, sort of compensatory strategies. So um, oftentimes in my past research, I had a lot of young teachers in, in their 20s and early 30s. And because they looked very young and they were also not, you know, white native speakers of English, they tried to make themselves look more mature. <laughs> so there was sort of this bodily, um, you know, monitoring, like they had to dress more formally, they had to try to look more mature to be perceived as, you know, qualified. So these are just sort of micro level examples of how people, you know, have to engage in different types of work that that uh, white people, frankly, don't have to do. So that's another thing to mention as well, like um, a lot of like their white colleagues, for example, could wear like shorts and t-shirts to work and still be perceived as, you know, qualified and stuff like that. So there is this sort of double standard uh, when it comes to, um, you know, this linguistic racism that happens in the workplace. So much. I think it's a double standard that we are trying to raise awareness about and uh, problematize and say, look, you need to pay attention to that. And just to add to that example, I have in my own uh, research as well, I've had people say to me, uh, I don't mind if I have to round my R or my vowels to get a promotion on the job. You know, so it, 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 it is real. Somebody might think that, oh, these people are coming at this thing from a research, but we did the research based on the lived experiences of people. So it, it is real. Linguistic discrimination is real and we need to pay attention uh, to it. And uh, I think if not, you're, I, I read in your tweet. So I just want, so people who are listening to us, what are some of the things they can do to mitigate against linguistic discrimination in the workplace? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's a good question. So I think, um, so since I'm thinking a lot of, about accent recently, I'll, I'll talk specifically about accent here. So I think um, accent in the workplace is often treated um, like language in general as a skill, right? So we think, okay, there's something you just have to sort of practice and improve on because it's part of the work. But I think we really have to understand workplace communication differently. So uh, we have to think of workplace communication not really as the responsibility of any one individual worker. It's really a collaborative process like communication in general. Um, communication is a two-way street. So it's not really about what the, you know, in this case, oral communication is not really about what the speaker does, right? It's also what the listener has to do as well. So in the workplace, we really need to focus on how we listen to different types of people um, in our organizations. Um, so in one sense, this could be simply in terms of, you know, at the very least, you know, workshops where we get to be exposed to different types of accents, right? At the very least. But something that's even better is how uh, maybe having us, having ourselves, you know, critically question our listening practices. So, um, 
it's the case like maybe I, I'm, I'm exposed to different, you know, so-called Chinese accents in my workplace, but I can still have a racist perception of Chinese accents. I might say, well, even though I understand these accents, I know it's not really, you know, appropriate for, you know, professional communication. So we really need to really critically challenge our own perceptions, our listening practices and say, hey, well, maybe, um, you know, once again, going back to your point, right, there are a range of ways to communicate, right? There's a range of language practices we can employ. So I think we have to really sort of sort of beat that into our heads that there are, you know, a lot of ways that um, that we can communicate. And it really the problem isn't about how people are speaking, right? It's really about how pe how other people are listening. Yes, yes. So 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 so, so true and very important. And I just want um, just um, your thoughts on so. For example, in an interview, for example, there's research that shows that um, people just rely on automatic assumptions they have about accents and make judgments about candidates. So typically in uh, England or the UK, somebody with a working class accent is normally perceived as non-intelligent, you know, and so they stand to lose out on either getting into certain elite professions or even getting promoted on the job. But research has clearly shown that there isn't any link between your accent and how you're able to perform on a job or do a job. So I just want you to say a few words to that. I mean, you, you have done incredible work in that area. Just break it down to, to people in the diversity space who are listening to us people who have different accents like myself, just a word or two to make them feel comfortable in themselves and take their authentic selves to work. Yeah, yeah, so that's a, a great uh, question. Um, so I think, yeah, to be kind of inspirational, I think like um, in terms of like your qualifications for the job, maybe you, you submitted your resume or CV to an organization and if they're calling you in for an for an interview, for example, that means that they see something in your resume or CV that's that's um, that's um, you know worthwhile, right? They want to learn more about you. So, if they, upon hearing you or, or seeing you, they perceive your language or your accent, you know, as as problematic, right? You have to uh, remind them and remind yourself, well, you know, I I am qualified. I do have the technical requirements for the job. So. Um, maybe explain to me why my accent needs to change in order to be able to do my work, right? So I think we need to question. Um, I know it's it, there is this power imbalance in a job interview because you really want to get the job, but I think um, you know we have to also be brave enough to know to kind of question authority at a particular time. So if someone is telling you, you know, well, I would love to hire you, but maybe your accent might be, you know incomprehensible in, in scare quotes to, um, you know, customers, right? You might want the employer or potential employer to say, you know, well, how exactly am, am I going to, how exactly are they not going to understand me? So I think we want to think more, um, we want to question authority, right, uh, when possible. I know it's, it's easier said than done, but I mean, um, sometimes we just have to sort of take a chance. And I understand that people need to find work, but um, yeah, sometimes we can do our own resistance in our own job search, right? We can do our own micro forms of resistance. Thank you so much. I just wondering if you have um, a few words to say to people who are in the diversity space who are listening to us this afternoon, if there's any one thing you want them to take away from this, uh, from listening to this conversation, what, what would that be? 
Um, yeah, so definitely think more about language. If you're not thinking about um, language and you're a diversity practitioner, right, you're missing a whole, you know, you know, a whole, you know, entire field of, of, of how um, discrimination and oppression operates. So I think I really encourage, um, yeah, any, any of us working towards diversity in our workplaces to pay more attention to language. And in my case, I'm thinking more about accent, but just language in general. Okay, so just, just to make to that, that point that when we talk about language, there are so many other aspects of language, you know, but Vijay's expertise really is with uh, accents, you know, and he, he critiques accents reduction, for example, and it's almost scary to believe that people are making a living out of that, you know, trying to change your accents just to get a job. That shows us the reality and if not um, the skill at which this uh, problem uh, of place. So I think we all have a role uh, to play in there. And you said one thing beautifully, if someone says to you in a job interview, well, we think you are qualified, but unfortunately we can't give you the job because of the accent, question that. Let them tell you which aspects of the job relates to your accent, because in fact, there isn't any correlation between your ability to, to, to do a job and your accent, you know? So thank you so much for spending time with us this afternoon. I don't know if you have any other closing words, if you want, uh, where, if people, if you want to leave people with what you can help the organization with, how they can contact you, things like that, so that people can always reach out um, to you if they, if they need support or help. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like mommy, like you said, I'm on Twitter a lot. So I think that's probably the easiest way um, to connect with me. You can always just tag me um, if you have any questions or comments. So um, my handle is at capital V-I-J-A-Y underscore capital R-A-M-J-A-T-T-A-N. Um, so that's the easiest way to find me. Um, yeah. And just keep on, everyone just keep on you know, fighting in your own organizational context. And um, yeah, just hopefully, just recognize that, yeah, um, there's a lot of work to do in the realm of language. Thank you so much, uh, Vijay. It's, it's been a pleasure having you this afternoon. I have learned a lot. I continually learn a lot from your tweets <laughs> and the, the, the stuff that you, you, you put out there. So, and I'm looking forward uh, for us uh, doing more and working together, but thank you once again. Yeah, thank you so much.